What's up, what's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm your spoon tonight with Braden. How's it going, sir? It's good. I'm glad uh, international break is over. Uh, glad to talk about some real football, although it was an actually pleasant international break as an American fan. So that was kind of exciting. Haven't had a lot of those recently. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to be back. Let's uh, spend some pop bucks. Absolutely. And for those wondering, uh, we kind of messed up with the scheduling and uh, kind of took a break ourselves with the international break. So we'll have the review podcast uploaded. Sorry for the delay, but uh, didn't really miss much in that weekend's action, in my opinion. This is where we give you the proper insights. This is where we give you all the analysis. And the way we do it is we get a thousand pod bucks where we get to essentially bet any way we want in a three-way money line. And that way we hold ourselves accountable to uh, how we predict these games. So if you haven't done already, please subscribe and make sure to leave a five-star review when you're done with it because I'm sure you will enjoy it. But anyway, let's get into it, Brayden. The first game, Newcastle taken on Chelsea Football Club. Newcastle at plus 550 at home. Chelsea at minus 210, the draw at plus 365, the over-under is at three. Sir, after all the talk about Timo Warner, he started scoring, had a pretty horrendous uh, international break, and then they're back. So how do you feel about them? This is going to be a this is where I start some of the conversation that I'm going to hit, up, hit at back at a couple times uh, tonight as we discuss some teams, but... I think a lot of how you view this match is how much you think the international break affects these teams. Most of Newcastle's uh, squad stayed at Newcastle uh, and, and didn't travel for the international break versus Chelsea, which has the vast majority of their squad is, is with their international squad. And I think that's going to make a difference here. Uh, I, I'm not going to go out on too far of a limb here. Uh, I'm going with 50 on Newcastle. It's mostly about that. I do think Newcastle's a team that can potentially keep it close for a team like um, against a team like Chelsea. Like they just want to hang around in the game and uh, potentially nick a set piece or a counter and that sort of thing. And I, I do think we've seen Chelsea vulnerable to that at times. Uh, so I'm going 50 on Newcastle. That probably loses, but it, it's got a real chance to pay off with the odds if it, if it works. So do we have any update on uh, Callum Wilson? Because I think that kind of defines how I look at this game. I think with a Callum Wilson, they might make it a game. Without Callum Wilson, they probably don't make it a game, in my opinion. I don't think Andy Carroll's going to be out there doing a whole lot. But as you said, like I don't really want to dig too deep into this because, again, the odds I'm not going to go with Chelsea at any point. So I'm going to put down 50 on uh Newcastle as well. I think at home after an international break, uh, it could be kind of just like a shocking result. But that is how I see this happen. Over under three, I think it's it's pretty high in my opinion. Unless you think like Chelsea can like really smash them and play them off the park, because Newcastle don't really let in that many goals. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think if you like Chelsea in this match, over under three is maybe the better way to play this game because. I do think that if, if if Newcastle get a result, whether it's a draw or a win, I think it's going to be, you know, a one nil, one one type thing. I don't I don't see Newcastle scoring 
um, two goals in this match. So I think if you like Chelsea here, I think the over-under is a nice way to play it as opposed to you know putting Chelsea at minus 210. But I, I do think you're right. Newcastle are pretty stingy at the back at times. Uh, they're, they are susceptible to the occasional match where they let in a number of goals, but by and large, I think they're pretty tight at the back and will you know, make Chelsea work for it. Yeah, I most definitely agree with that. So maybe uh, one of these will come into our three best bets draft that we are going to do at the end of the podcast. Anyway, moving along to the surprise of the season so far in Aston Villa taking on Brighton. Aston Villa at plus 120. Brighton at plus 215, the draw at plus 255, the over-under is at 2.5, which I find very, very intriguing for this game. So, uh, Brayden, given what Grealish has done, he kind of just continued his form over the international break, doing some ridiculous things for England. Do you see them continue? And Ollie Watkins, maybe he really is going to be the guy from the championship to make the jump. Yeah, I think that Villa has done a great job uh, in the transfer window this year, building a team around Grealish that can really maximize his talent and give him the freedom to kind of do what he does and be the creator and, and have the goal scoring threat as opposed to having to carry the ball all the way up the pitch as I felt he had to do so much of last year and all of that pressure was solely on Jack Grealish to do it. That's not really the case anymore. It's a much more balanced Villa team. I think they attack better. And even if Grealish does have an off game, you know, Barkley can step up. Watkins can step up. Uh, McGinn can take some of that pressure off of Grealish. And I think that just makes a much better situation for Villa to shine overall. For Brighton, we've talked about it a few times uh, this year where uh, Brighton look like they have all the pieces. They create some good chances, but they just don't put them away and haven't gotten the results. So, I am done believing in Brighton until they prove it to me, uh, which means they're probably going to prove it to me in this match. <laughs> but, uh, you yeah, know, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm going with 125 on Villa. I think they're the better team. They're a plus favorite. I think everything is kind of pointing in that direction. I think you said the magic words, and they're, they're plus favorites, and they just have been playing, you know, some uh, really brilliant football. And when I look at Brighton, I still don't know where their goals are going to come from. And Martinez there and like the defense overall does a very decent job of uh, containing the team. And along with that, just I still am not a big fan of Ross Barkley as a player. I think he's very limited. But what he's limited at is what Jack Grealish is really good at. So, you know, they both take care of each other. And um, I want to see these Scottish players come out and do well in like John McGinn. Like, they just had the biggest, you know, game of their lives. And I want them to have a good season and have some hype going into the 21 Euros. So I hope McGinn has, continues to uh, do things. And maybe looking at him as a player potentially to bring, it, uh, bring him in, into my fantasy team as well. So for all you fantasy freaks out there, if you wanted a tip from somebody who's a better, there you go. Uh, I'm going to put down 150 just to even up all of my... Uh, money total so far on Aston Villa. I just think they're the better team. And I'm still very, very high. I shouldn't say very, very high. I'm still high on Brighton just because of the way they play. But as high on Norwich just because of the way they played, you know, and uh 
it doesn't really amount to much if you can't get the results. So that's where I would go. I do think the over-under being two and a half, this game this game's going to have goals. I, I think if Brighton concede one, they're going to concede more. And if Brighton score, like, Aston Villa is going to open up, open the fuck up to try to win. So I'm going to go with 150 on Aston Villa. Any final words on the game, Braden? Yeah, I like the over-under call for this. I do think there, there will be goals scored in this match. And I, I mostly agree with you as far as Brighton. I sounded very pessimistic on them. But I do think that they're mostly playing... They're playing in a way that makes me think they can get out of it. I just, I'm not going back there until I see it, especially not against a team like Villa that I don't really see as vulnerable right now. If there was a team that they were playing that was struggling a little more, I'd be more willing to step out on that limb, but not not against Villa, right? Yeah, very much agree with that. And that kind of brings us to the first blockbuster game of the weekend kind of surprised that it's this early on a saturday but i guess this is what they do when uh the tv money got to keep flowing tottenham hotspur is taken on manchester city spurs kind of wild uh huge underdogs at plus three or five city at minus 125 the draw at plus 295 the over under set at three which is kind of surprising for a game like this but two attacking teams to uh managers very very familiar with each other and uh, two teams that could very much be the two leading dogs in the title race right now yeah so i saw the line on this and was really very surprised i think this is giving city a lot of respect for kind of what we expect them to be and something that i don't know that we've seen uh, so far this year i think that City did take a step in the right direction against uh, Liverpool and I think kind of finally played a, a little bit more complete of a match, but I, I'm i not sold on them by any means. When I get Spurs at plus three or five with the way that they've been playing so far this year, I know that some of those teams haven't been, some of the teams that they've beaten haven't been necessarily the best teams or they've had the best performances, but you know Spurs have still gone out and beaten them. Uh, so I'm going to go with 100 on Spurs here. I think that the line is kind of crazy. I don't think City have been so dominant that they should that Spurs should have a plus 305 line. Um, so to me, this is about whether you like Spurs or the draw on this. I, I didn't even really consider City at this line. So given what they've done so far, I agree with you. But at the same time, Man City... We've talked about this. They just seem to, you know, get into gear and just be ready to take advantage of things. And this seems like one of those opportunities. But with that line, as you said, I cannot put money down. So I guess it's either both of us are going to have a really lit start to the week or a really terrible start because I'm going to put down a hundred bucks on Tottenham as well. Just looking at the line, looking at the overall, uh, you know, setup of both these teams. Mourinho thrives off of wins against the big six at home. He doesn't really open up. He's like, I'll go and get a draw home. I got to win. And he's going to set up to win. So we'll see if the, I guess, you know, reinvested defense and heavily invested defense, uh, if they are up for the task. And this is where I think Gareth Bale, um, Harry Kane, having the depth that they have, is really going to come in handy, uh, especially with Europa League coming up as well. So I will say the over-under at three being uh, 
is kind of ridiculous. But then again, defense hasn't really been a thing this year in quite a few of the big games. So this is a line I would watch because I'd be interested in it at over two and a half. But at three, I'm not really that interested either way because I, I do think. Yeah, that, I think it could go two one as well. I agree. Uh, I think three is a very easy scoreline to hit. Uh, just as like two two is an easy scoreline to hit for this match. So I don't. I, I I'm not really interested in the over under at that, but at two and a half, I might become interested. In. Most definitely. So we will keep an eye out, and uh, if something does change. Anyway, so make sure to follow us on Twitter for those up-to-date informations in case we do come across a betting nugget after the lineups are out. Anyway, moving on to the next game, a team that has not been very good at home, especially against teams that sit back in uh, Manchester United, but they're still heavily favored at Old Trafford at minus 335. The West Brom line is plus 900 so that is pretty juicy the draw is at plus 450 over-unders at three sir are we about to see another uh disaster class from uh the man united players at old trafford it's really tough to look at this game and and not really just be drawn immediately towards the line and i don't want to i don't want to just do that because i think the game deserves a little bit more um, breakdown than just that but I look at this line at minus 335 for United and especially with the way that they've gotten to a start this season I, I can't go there I, there's no way I can bet on Man United with this line um, that said I mean I I do expect United to win this game they're a better team than West Brom I think perhaps having a little bit of time away with the international break might do them a little bit of good with the way that the team was kind of in some doldrums uh, right there. Uh, I know they had a good Champions League run uh, right there towards the end, but having a little bit of time away will potentially let them refocus now. I said, I'm going with 50 on the draw here. I just, if odds weren't a thing, I'd pick United, but at plus 450 for the draw, I don't see West Brom winning, but I do see a draw as a possible outcome. Um, so that's where I'm going. So I've started getting into this practice, especially with college football, where when I see a ridiculous line, and if I know the teams, I look at the game from the perspective of the team that is heavily like the underdog and see if there is a path feasible enough to victory kind of a thing. And I look at West Brom in the same way and is like a win possible at Old Trafford? Like, yeah. They were the team that stunned us, I think, in 2013, 1-0 at home. Like, just uh, when David Moyes was the manager and that kind of ring, rang the alarm bells at uh, Old Trafford. And we'll see how this Man United team reacts to everything that has gone on. As you said, uh, things might have changed. But until I see otherwise, I'm not going to bet on them. So I'm going to put down $100 on West Brom to win this game. I think draw is probably the smarter bet, but I'll probably take a draw if uh, that's what ends up happening. Yeah, I mean, I can see, I, I can see any of those outcomes. I think you're right to kind of point that out because I do, I do see 
you're right. There is a path for West Brom to win. And when you see a line like this at plus 900, I think you're exactly right. Like that is kind of the thought process you want to have of, well, can this team do it? And if they can, you should definitely consider uh, that line, even if it is a little out there, which this line is. So I, I agree with your thought process. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm not willing to go all the way out there uh, with you. And I think it's this is a bet that's best done in a uh, little bit of a small chunk, uh, and not like a full unit that you would place on all the games. So um, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, we shall see how this game turns out. Uh, another team that has been very, very surprisingly good to begin the season and then uh, kind of had a pretty nice slump since the Merseyside derby in Everton Football Club. They're taking on Fulham away from home. So Fulham at Craven Cottage coming in at plus 290. Everton at minus 115. Draw at plus 280. The over-under set at 2.5. Man, this was a game I grew up watching. Like this was this used to be a like a Premier League classic back in the day, so uh, hopefully we'll see some uh, good football to go with that this time. Yeah, I, when you say that, that makes a lot of sense. It was you know Tim Howard's Everton versus Full America. Like it was uh, very as as an American, this is a match that you saw a lot because you saw a lot of American players involved in it that you didn't see otherwise in the Premier League. Um. So as far as this game goes, I think this is really interesting to think about because Everton did go into a little bit of a slide at the uh, going into the international break. Uh, but you saw, you know, Pickford kind of seems to have maybe picked himself up, up a little bit. Uh, I think getting back into some of the that getting back into the England setup and uh, just kind of removing himself from the kind of rut he was in from Everton may help with that. And maybe he can carry that, you know, back through to Everton. We'll, we'll see. Um, I think Everton are going to, I, I don't know if they're going to get back to the form that they had at the very beginning of the season when everyone kind of took a look for a second and said, maybe these guys can win the title. Like, I, I don't think they're going to get back to that level, but I do think that they're, they're going to play better than they did coming into the international break. I'm going with a hundred on Everton in this match. I know the odds aren't the best, but even at minus one fifteen, you can still get a decent payout for that. Um, so I'm, I'm going with Everton. I think this is the start of them getting kind of back on track a little bit. All right. Um, I don't quite know how to rate this game essentially because I don't know which Fulham's going to turn up. Because there is a hint of possibility where like Mitrovic and company are figuring something out with, you know, Loftus-Cheek being there. And if they can kind of negate the midfield pressure that Everton really brings with the midfield three, you might see Fulham make a game out of it. So I'm going to put down 50 on the draw just because like I'm not as sure as you are uh, as far as uh, Everton are concerned. Because I don't rate Hamas as highly as a lot of people do. Uh, I mean, I just don't think he is as much of an impact player as people make him out to be, uh, to be honest. However, I have been proven wrong about him because he came in and made an instant impact on the team. But over time, has kind of you know, flattened out because the quality isn't there. However, how do you rate Dominic Calvert-Lewin right now? 
is my question. Like, do you think he is an elite striker? Because if he is, he can lead them to wins in games like this where he just wins 2-1 or 1-0 or something like that, you know? So I don't consider Calvert-Lewin an elite striker, although that may take a little bit of definition of what we consider an elite striker. I think he's very good. I think he's especially very good in the air, which is something that Everton can take advantage of with Dean um, and James. And you know, even when Sickerson's out there, like he can put in a, a decent cross. So I do think that he's a good player for Everton. And I think he's... He's a player I did not rate very highly coming into the into the season, and I've I've been impressed by what I've seen. Uh, but I I do think he's kind of this is this is going to sound bad and almost like an insult, and it's not at all what I mean. I think he's a very good Andy Carroll. Like he's way beyond Andy Carroll's abilities, but he's good at a lot of things that Carroll is as well, which just kind of dominating in the air and being kind of good enough at everything else to be effective. Um, and, and I, I do think he's an effective player, but I don't really see him as elite. I do think he, the Everton setup is good for him um, to make an impact in ways that other teams might not be. I will say that he, I'll agree with you that he's not elite, but I think his, his finishing is up there for me. Like, I don't know if I want to classify his finishing as elite, but like the way he can get into those one touch positions where ultimately all it takes is a header or like a first time shot to, uh, you know, score a goal. He, if you can do that repeatedly, you can score a lot of goals. So I think that's what I should have phrased the question better instead of straight up asking if he's elite. Cause again, if you compare him to all the world-class strikers that are in the league, definitely not at their level so my bad if i took you down that rabbit hole but um again i would like to see uh him to come out and do some more things because if he is good i'd like for england to have options when they go into the euros and see like somebody really push harry kane for his position but talking about england in the euros two teams that play in like that define english football in a way sheffield united taking on west ham united Sheffield uh, coming in at plus 200, West Ham at plus 145, the draw at plus 225, the over-unders at two and a half. I feel very, I'm leaning very strongly towards West Ham. Uh, Tell me if I'm stupid. No, that's exactly where I'm going with this one as well. I, I just haven't really been impressed by Sheffield so far this season. I don't think I see much of kind of anything of the team we saw last year. I think that they're maybe trying to do some similar things, but just aren't drawing a blank on the keeper's name now. Um, Ramsdale. Yes. Ramsdale. Like he's, he's a definite downgrade from um, Henderson. Like he can't boot it long like Henderson does, but they're still kind of trying to do that same thing. Um, I, I think that, a lot of their play has broken down from that because I, I think that they're just not as effective when when they can't compress and then boot it long and kind of expand, win the second ball and expand from there. And I think that's really hurt them so far this season. Uh, West Ham, on the other hand, have been a lot better than I thought they would be this season. I, I've been very impressed by them. I think maybe they do start to come back down to earth a little bit, but I think that it's going to be more than enough to beat 
Sheffield in this match. So I'm going with 150 on West Ham. I'm I'm pretty confident in this, and that's when David Moyes screws you, but we'll we'll see how this goes. Yeah, I mean, I almost feel like a little bit bullish about uh, West Ham's chances in this game. But again, Sheffield United are no pushovers, so I'm not going to go too overboard. So I'm just going to put down uh, $100 on West Ham. I think if uh, Moisey gets it correct, at least it'll definitely benefit both of us at the same time. Anyway, moving on to the next game, a big, big one for Arsenal going to Ellen Road, playing Leeds United, another game that used to be an English football classic. Leeds United at plus 220, Arsenal at plus 115, the draw at plus 265, the over-under is at three and a half. Sir, how confident are you about this uh, direction that Arsenal is currently headed in? Yeah, not very. Um, I don't... Uh, it's very hard to be excited about what Arsenal are doing right now. I just... They're not really... They're not really taking the shots that they need, and I, you know when when you don't take shots, you can get some results, like you can score some goals. But over the long run, you just are never going to be a team that consistently wins if you don't if if you if you're constantly being beaten in shots, which Arsenal have been so far this year by most of their opponents. And you kind of saw some chickens come home to roost against uh, Villa in the um, last match right before the international break. I do think they're overall better than Leeds. I think Leeds have been this team that's kind of been a, a darling to start out and everyone kind of was really excited for them. And they had the match against Liverpool and they're like, Oh, Leeds is this you know, it, Leeds is going to be great. They're brilliant. They play this great brand of football. And I, I don't know. Like I think if Leeds and West Ham swapped, like if you just swap the jerseys on that team, I think the, people's perceptions would be very different. I think like, I think people really wanted to get behind leads and haven't necessarily looked at them and said, actually, maybe there's some holes here that really need to be fixed. Uh, and, and I think leads will like, I think Beals is a good manager. I'm not trying to be overly critical about it. I, I just, you know, I, I think that maybe there's been a little bit more hype on them than is warranted uh, from the start of the season. So I'm going with 75 on a draw in this match. I, I'm not confident that Arsenal can really pull away in this game. And I, I definitely think that Leeds get a goal here. Um, but I, I can see Arsenal kind of uh, eventually breaking down Leeds as the match goes on and um, and, and nicking one late to pull a draw. There can be a few different results on this um, because I do think is I do think this will be a pretty close match between these two teams. Yeah, and uh, so I'm kind of depending on you to give me the lowdown on Arsenal because I don't know how I really rate the attack as a unit right now. Like individually, I know there's like class in there, but as a unit, they're just not firing as I need them to be. And at the same time, like Lee, this is a perfect situation if. Arsenal wants to show that we are going to play counter-attacking football. We're going to be really good at this. You got to do it against a side like Leeds that are going to leave spaces open. They're going to let you do a lot of things. And I definitely do think that uh, this is a game that they can uh, make a difference. And so I'm going to put down $100 on uh, Arsenal to get in there and uh, get the win. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think your criticisms about the attack are very warranted. I, I do think that the problems Arsenal have right now are not problems that can't be fixed. I think that there are things that, you know, Arsenal was working at the end of last season at Project Restart. They had the FA Cup run. I just think that teams have started to adjust to what they do. And so, you know, this is part of a cat and mouse game that managers do with tactics. Like, you do something, then the other team adjusts, and now it's on you to make the adjustment to that adjustment. And so this is kind of where Arteta needs to take that next step. Like, it's this is part of his development as a manager because I, I do think that Arteta came in and was able to implement something and that's kind of one thing and that's very well, that's all well and good, but you do have to adjust as a manager when teams kind of figure you out. You can't just do one thing the whole time, especially if you're not going to get, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars to spend every transfer window. Yeah. Most definitely. So I I think that'll be an interesting uh, way to keep note of how this game goes and especially to see if Arteta is evolving as a manager or not. Uh, These two teams, I did not expect to be in this situation in the way they're facing against each other. But Brendan Rodgers is going back to Anfield, taking Leicester City with him, playing Liverpool, who almost are out of uh, their entire back four. Andy Robertson somewhat fit, being, uh, I guess, sewn together by a Scotland national team. But Liverpool at home, minus 110, with a record home home wins that they have had so far, taking on Brendan Rodgers and Leicester, who come in at plus 270. The draw is at plus 280. The over-under is at three. This has the ingredients of an absolute Premier League classic. What do you think? I agree. And, and just before we get started in this game, uh, just a, a side question. How long do you think Brendan Rodgers has had this kind of circled after after Liverpool were champions? And how how much do you think he's been ready to take his team back to Anfield? I mean, I, I think this is the game that he's looked forward to. Like, without a doubt, the moment every the way everything happened right like in a way for him last season epitomized what was wrong with him because much like in the year that he didn't win the title with liverpool they his team collapsed absolutely towards the end and just couldn't keep up so now here you go against the champions against the team that you know has such a long ass record of uh being undefeated at home it really is going to be something that I think uh, Brendan Rodgers being from a, a Mourinho disciple has, I think you can only imagine the kind of thoughts that uh, he's had about this game. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think he's had this circle for a while and it's going to be really ready to go with something for this match. And, you know, go thinking about this match specifically and how it's going to play out. It's really hard to, look past Jamie Vardy and him going up against a, you know, just injury decimated Liverpool back line. And I think the, the key matchup and managerial uh, tactic in this match is going to be how Klopp chooses to deal with that. So is it going to be, are, are Liverpool going to try to just like press their way out of this and keep the supply away from Vardy? 
I don't know if that works, but that may be their best option with the talent that they have or don't have for this match. So I, I think how that how Klopp goes and approaches that problem is going to be fascinating to watch, in my opinion. It's really hard to look at this line at Liverpool minus 110 and Leicester at plus 70, considering the talent um, that Liverpool are not going to be able to put on the pitch. It's really hard to go with Liverpool. On the other hand, you know, you don't go on this unbeaten at home streak without, you know, digging out of some bad situations at time. And so I, I do think that shouldn't necessarily be put to the side completely, but I, I don't know that that's going to be enough this game. I, I don't, I don't believe that that holds all the water, uh, you know, in, in the world for that. So, I'm going to go with Leicester uh, with $100 on this match. I think the odds are right. I think the way that the injuries are playing out is is right for Vardy to get away on a counterattack. And I guess we can wait and see on Salah. I think it sounds like he's definitely going to be out. But, you know, weird things have happened with COVID tests. So I, I at this point, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I was just reading up on where, like, Leicester City and where the mindset has to be and Casper Michael I think that has got to be a big big uh, story in terms of what has happened to him and if he's going to be ready for the game uh, I think if he is injured I don't know uh, how I would rate Leicester's chances because I think that that's how you kind of get to look at it because if the lineup comes out and Casper's not on it or Roger says that the Casper uh, is not playing. I would very much expect like the line to move uh, sharply towards Liverpool, but without that information, I'm gonna give Leicester the benefit of the doubt, and I'm gonna put down a hundred dollars as well on Leicester. With the odds, it just seems nice. However, I think draw is probably the outcome that both teams will take given the circumstances. But I really do hope that if Brendan Rodgers has anything left in his tank. Like, let's go. If you beat Liverpool, that's a story. And, like, if Liverpool lose this game, I would love to see the meltdown that would be coming in terms of what uh, substitution uh, rules need to get changed in order to make sure everybody (laughs) can do five. That's right. What substitution rules need to be changed so that Salah doesn't get COVID? Exactly. Oh, yeah, he's out too. Fuck. I completely blanked out on him. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a thin <laughs> Liverpool team, but you know there's quality Diego Jota, there. Though. Yeah, yeah, like, like it's, Jota's nice. Yeah, I agree. So. And I, while Salah is a fantastic player, I mean, Mane missed a match earlier this year while being out of COVID. It, you know, it. I I don't know. Like I, I think that there's talent on Liverpool to make up for some of these. And defense is really where I'd be concerned, especially with Jamie Vardy and his ability to make even really good defenders just to, you know, know when is the right time to pounce with the experience, with the, with the pace that he has. I think that's the real concern for Liverpool in this match. Yeah. And I will say this. Um, if for some reason, Allison misses this, game, I would love to see them watch this. If like Adrian is the starting goalkeeper and for some miraculous reason, oh my God, Jamie Vardy. Just pound the over at that point. Just yeah. like 
Potentially dude. take out a mortgage. <laughs> Watch him keep a clean sheet after I all know, that right? shit. But anyway, moving on to an absolute classic Premier League game. Uh, talking about clean sheets, we'll see if either one of these two keep one. Burnley taking on Crystal Palace. And while they're so uh, distant on the table, the odds really tell you the picture of how uh, thin the margins have been for both these teams in terms of the way they play and how similar they are because Burnley are at plus 175, Crystal Palace at plus 180, the draw at plus 205, the over-under is at two. I mean, you couldn't make this shit up. Like, if I had to make a line for a game like this, like, that's how it would go because it's anybody's game. Yeah, I agree with that, but I... I looked at this line and I thought it was wrong. I don't know what you thought about it because I don't think that Crystal Palace are great, but I think Burnley are a relegation favorite right now. Like I, I have not been impressed by anything I've seen from Burnley so far this year. And so I don't know. Like I think Palace have started building. Let, let, me, let me interject real quick. I know that Burnley has not looked good, right? But the reason this line really speaks to me is because even when Burnley aren't good, like there have been times you've said that in the past, Sean Dice just manages to somehow get a result in games like this where you're so dependent on playing this counter-attacking football that like set piece, some crazy shit happens. So like that's why I think I understand why it's so close because Burnley... On their day, if Chris Woods scores a couple of goals, like, you know, they can, you know, very well come out and be like, oh, there's a Sean Dice special out of nowhere. I mean, I agree if Chris Woods scores a couple of goals, but Burnley have scored three goals so far this season. Like, I I just, I don't see it from this team. Um, Which isn't to say Gerard, like, your point is well taken that, you know, Burnley do just kind of show up and, you know, kick you around a little bit and, you know, play for a set piece, get it. And all of a sudden you're like, how the, how the fuck are we down one nil to Burnley in the 85th minute or something like that's, that's definitely something Burnley can do. Uh, So I don't want to fully discount that, but I do think that Palace have been a much better uh, squad so far this year. I think they've added some pieces that kind of complement what Zaha does well. I think that, you know, their midfield is a little bit better. Um, and, you know, replacing not having Ben Teke or Jordan Ayew up front is really a positive, in my opinion, for um, Crystal Palace. I, I don't think that Batshuayi is a world beater, but I think he does enough to be enough of a threat to take it all the focus away from Zaha and let give him a little bit more space to work. And when he has that, He's he's been dangerous so far this year, and I expect him to be dangerous in the difference maker in this match as well. Uh, so for this game, I'm going with 200 on Crystal Palace. I think they're a better team. I think the line uh, reflects that. I I I think the r- line is wrong, quite frankly. So uh, I'm going to try to take advantage of that and watch as Palace score one goal, and I look at him and be like, how. Sapoon told me. And I think that that's the problem of why I can't really decide if I want to go overboard with this. So I'm just going to put down $50 on uh, Crystal Palace because 
uh, I'm not confident in the ability of this team to really like be able to dominate games. I'm saying that while they like came to Old Trafford and dominated against Man United, but uh, I just don't see it so far. So uh, I'm going to put down $50 on uh, Crystal Palace and see how this goes. Moving into the last game, and this is going to be my favorite game of the weekend by far. I think the quality of football is going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers at home at plus 130, taking on Southampton without Danny Ings at plus 230. The draw is up plus 230 as well. The over-under is at two and a half. Sir, this is a very interesting situation Southampton find themselves in because... In my opinion, if they can score a couple of goals and win these games, once Danny Ings comes back, it'll be very interesting to see how he's valued at. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a, a this is a Southampton team that has really been impressive to me so far this year. I did not expect them to be where they are. Uh, you know, a lot of it, you know, has been Ings and Adams uh, as well as James Ward Prowse uh, sprinkled in a little through there. And I think that, you know, outside of one bad match against Spurs, uh, Southampton have been really good uh, for the majority of of this early start of the season. And I kind of expect that to continue. I haven't really been impressed with Wolves that much this season. They've grinded out a few results. Uh, but, you know, if you look at their advanced metrics, it's, it's really not very good. Like, the, they have a... They have like a minus four in expected goals allowed uh, to to expected goals in the differential. So I I don't know. Like I this isn't this Wolves team to me is not the team that they were the past couple seasons. And in my opinion, that's not just Jota. Like Diego Jota wasn't that big of a factor for Wolves. I didn't think at least. Um, so I'm not really sure what's off for that team, but something there just doesn't quite feel right right now. Uh, so I'm going with a hundred on Southampton. I think that as an underdog, uh, I like the odds for a team that I think is in better form. And I think that, um, Southampton are a good chance to take the points here. I very much agree. And I think Che Adams has kind of come out and figured something out that he did not have uh, once he scored against Manchester City. And uh, I think as as long as he continues that run, uh, he is going to be good. And Wolverhampton wonders, while they seem to be the dominant team, I don't know what's going on with Traore. Doesn't really start games. We talked about this. Don't, uh, him and has never really been like a guy who I think can explode when really needed. I think he will score that occasional hat-trick, but more likely... Uh, one or at most two goals a game kind of a guy. So I'm just, I just don't see them being able to pull away. And the way Southampton play, as you said, Jamie, James Ward-Prowse been absolutely phenomenal this season uh, so far. So I'm going to put down my remaining, how much is it? $200 on Southampton. I think uh, this definitely could be a game that uh, Southampton put a stamp on. Having said that, wouldn't really surprise me if uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers come out and win because they are plus favorites and kind of going against uh, our principle here. Anyway, that brings us to an end to the first segment of this podcast. Uh, we're going to be back with uh, Best Bets Draft, and we'll tell you more about that on the second side. 
What's up, guys? Back with the second segment of this podcast. This is where things get a little bit spicy. We give you our best bets. Try to frame it as the three draft picks that we can give you in terms of uh, bets that are most likely to hit. And most often than not, you'll find me at least trying to, uh, one way or another, legally try to gamble as far as uh, these best bets are concerned. We normally base the pick order uh, on whoever made the most money. I think it was Braden who edged me out last time around. So, Braden, you have the first pick. Go ahead. Yeah, so in the first pick, I'm going to go to one of the big matches uh, so far this year. And we talked about um, – sorry, not this year, this week. And we talked about uh, Liverpool and all their injuries they have. But outside of Salah, they're still pretty potent up front with uh, Jota, Mane – maybe Firmino, depending on how you rate him. Um, and I think that they're going to put pressure uh, still on Leicester. So the player with the most yellow cards so far this season is Johnny Evans. And I I like the chance for him to get one in this match with Leicester under a little bit of pressure and him kind of doing the professional thing of, of taking a foul when necessary to prevent a scoring opportunity. So um, I've got Johnny Evans' yellow card. The odds for that are... Uh, even money um so i like that all right you gave even odds i'll raise you uh, my own version of that i'm gonna go with the timo warner to have at least two shots on goal at even odds i feel pretty good about it as long as he starts i think it should be good to go uh especially because i think he's the penalty taker now and i expect them to get a penalty those cheating bastards. Anyway, <laughs> what's your second pick, sir? Uh, so for my second pick, I'm uh, going uh, to a game that I'm going to be very nervous while I watch with the Leeds Arsenal match. And uh, I again, this is an even money odds. Um, I'm going to Patrick Bamford for at least uh, two shots on goal. I think that uh, I don't know how dangerous those shots are going to be, but I think that Leeds are going to create some opportunities. I think that especially depending on if Thomas Partey can't play in this match, that might mean Granite Xhaka plays, and Granite Xhaka is not the most press-resistant player out there, to say the least, and I think that could force uh, a little bit of carelessness out of Arsenal and create some chances for uh, Leeds. So I'm going there. We'll see how it goes. Uh, that's me being a little pessimistic on this. I hate you. Was that yours? <laughs> Yeah, that was my second pick <laughs> as well. I literally, like, after I got the team order one, literally picked out Arsenal. I was like, all right, Patrick Bamford always has shots. And uh, thankfully, I had four uh, this time around. So I'm going to go with uh, Harry Kane. Score a goal at plus 160. I think uh, King Kane can uh, do things at the Tottenham Stadium that very few can from time to time. And... I just want Man City to lose, man. That, I know it's it, this is where like our uh, hatred for teams kind of like <laughs> in a funny way pits, pits us against each other. But uh, it would be hilarious to see uh, Man City get dis dismantled by Jose Mourinho. Yeah, I typically uh, fade Harry Kane on Saturdays and and go in on him on Sundays. Sunday Harry Kane is absolutely a thing. <laughs> Blockbuster. Uh, but that would be mine. I also looked at him for uh, two shots on goal. I just wasn't sure because I was like, maybe they'll get a pen that he didn't earn, so he'll score that because, yeah. you know, 
if you swear on your life, uh, you'll get the goal. So that is what Harry Kane is always going to do. Indeed. Anyway, moving on to our final picks. Sir, what do you have? Yeah, so for my last one, I'm going uh, with a match that I was uh, pretty... I made a pretty heavy bet on this team uh, towards the end of our uh, discussion and the first part of the episode. And I'm going um, with uh, Crystal Palace and Burnley match. Uh, so the match result and both teams to score, I'm going with Crystal Palace and no at uh, plus 330. So more or less I'm saying that Crystal Palace gets a clean sheet win in this one. All right. That sounds good. So make sure to check the starting lineup when the Man United starting lineup is announced. But if Mason Greenwood starts, put down money, put down your mortgage if you can afford it on Mason Greenwood to have two shots on goal at plus 175. I really like those odds, especially if he starts. And even if he doesn't, I think a second half sub with the 30 minutes to go, a player like him, he has the tendency to get into those goal-scoring positions. And if he's not, then just go with, like, Bruno. Bruno fucking shoots from everywhere. So, Mason Greenwood would be the first pick. If not, go with somebody else. Anyway, that would be my three best bets. Yeah, I I like that uh, Greenwood call as well. I do think that... Uh, if he starts, he's a good shot to uh, potentially get uh, two shots on goal against the West Brom team that I don't know if they're going to be. I, I, I don't see West Brom controlling the game. I don't see them really limiting uh, Man United in any way. I see Man United pretty much completely being on top of this game. And whether they convert that to a victory, I, I don't know. We'll see. But I do think I see United controlling this match. And that's going to lead to shots for whoever the center forward or, or even anyone across the forward line uh, is going to have opportunities. Yeah, uh, most definitely agree with you. And hopefully we come out with the win. A lot of football to come uh, this weekend. And thankfully, no more international breaks until March. So it's going to be a fun time. I'm excited that we will be covering all of it. So if you haven't done already, make sure to subscribe and uh, we will catch you next week. Bye-bye. Cheers. Mm, good.